you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast. Already used all three timeouts. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> clock management. Greg thinks he can handle the clock. But when you're doing it on a couch, Mark Zessler, it's a little different. I mean, I'd be the first to tell you that if I were thrust into a coaching situation. you always been open about that. Same down, with me. Yeah, in the final minute or two, and Greg is spouting off like 45,000 verbs and words about what he'd do with it. I'd be like, just shoot me, with, shoot me in the head with an arrow. Like, I don't belong here. Like, I mean, I'm it's much- the one thing I could do. But I have total confidence. You put me in the – I'd actually be more focused and more on top of it. I'd take timeouts that people would never see coming. Andy Reid is going to the Hall of Fame, Mark, and he's no better than us at this. Well, that that is – Think about that. That is comforting. But then you have to be a genius in terms of drawing up plays. But I also not – And motivating. I can motivate, I think. Talent management and also procuring talent with the eyes. Does I can do, the, moti- I can do really? the motivating part. The rest of it, there's a reason I'm sitting here instead. Okay. Even that could be questioned. Dan Hans is here with Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. On Show Me Sunday in the NFL, we talked about this on Thursday, that this schedule, this Sunday schedule, the best of the season, week 13, uh, we were going to learn much about uh, teams that are on the quest for the Lombardi. And uh, a lot of big matchups. We're going to get to all of them and uh, including, and this is a bummer, a big injury that will impact the NFC race to Glendale and Super Bowl 57 uh, in just a little bit. But why don't we start in Cincinnati? We love the Bengals. 
here on the podcast. Well, do we love the Bengals? We love Cincinnati. We love Chris Wessling. We love the Wessling family and Lakeisha and Link. So seeing them succeed and it not being a flash in the pan mm-hmm. right? Uh, last season, seeing them become a superpower, it's bittersweet, they're, of course. They're easy to love, I think. This right I think now. it's bittersweet. You know, I used to famously, longtime listeners know, always needle Wes and say, are you going to come back, Chris? You going to be a Bengals fan again? And he would always say, nah. He never even, never even hesitated. Hmm. But when I watch this man at quarterback, Joe Burrow, I still wonder hmm. what Wes would have thought today. Let's get to it. Chiefs Bengals. The two-minute warning stopped the clock with 1.59 to go. The Bengals face a dilemma here. Burrow drops back to throw, wants to throw. His pass over the oh. middle. Oh. It is caught Unreal. by T. Higgins in traffic <laughs> at the 14. And that is Coffin Nail. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and Joshua Williams, welcome to the National Football League. You had great coverage, my man, but T. Higgins was just better. Mmm. <laughs> Dave Lapham going a little Solak, but also at least gave the young man in coverage credit for doing his job the best of his ability. Just wasn't good enough because T. Higgins is a star, just like Jamar Chase, just like Joe Burrow on a third and long. When maybe the move, Greggy, the man with the polo on the sideline, I don't see him in a polo lately. It's getting colder. Run the ball there. And then kick the ball away and hope your defense gets a stop. No, the Bengals say, we're going to win this game because we got Joe Burrow and he's going to throw a dart. He did. And a 27-24 victory was clinched by the Cincinnati Bengals who beat the mighty Chiefs in a rematch of last season's AFC Championship game. And Mark Sessler led his three consecutive wins for Cincinnati over the great Mahomes. Woo, they are ready to roll. Three wins in 2022 because the first of those happened in January. So this is like they, you know, they prop this up today is this is the rivalry that is starting to equate with Buffalo and Kansas City. Well, right now, the Bengals own this and it has a lot to do with Burrow. And I really this this was uh, this lived up to it. Burrow said it with his own words. This lived up to the billing. And I really love that Cincinnati worked their way out of some real fixes in this game because they had a long drive where Trent Taylor on fourth and one was stuffed at the goal line by Carlos Dunlap. That snuffed out points right there. You lose the drive on downs. There was a, we all watched Tyler Boyd have a terrible drop on third and three from the Kansas City 18 in the end zone. Right, and that forced them to go for a field goal. That's just leaving points on the board. This game went from a 14-3 Bengals lead, where you're thinking maybe they can just continue to do this all drive, to a 24-17 Chiefs lead. But then you got uncharacteristic Kansas City errors. And who's the guy you count on week after week? It just feels like a... He's like a video game character to me. Travis Kelsey had a killer fumble hmm. that allowed the Bengals back into this game. It set up a 10-play, 53-yard, really resilient touchdown drive where Chris Evans, who's been invisible all year because of their depth, scores for them to put him up 27-24. to 24. Then you get Mahomes. You're thinking it's time for Mahomes just to march down the field. And on third and three, I thought this was a huge play. Third and three. Patrick Mahomes was sacked by Joseph Asai that set up a long 55-yard Harrison Butker field goal. And un-Butker-like, it sailed wide. Isn't and that, you said 55, right? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that the state of the kicking game in our league now is that when a guy misses a 55-yarder, you're like, oh, man, he's going to want that one back. 
Yeah, it is. It's interesting because like we're used to seeing that. And then that, and then you, that was the final score because the Bengals were able to convert on that third and level, that third and 11 yard pass to T Higgins and Higgins other side of that drop has been so wonderful the past couple of weeks and Chase Jamar Chase had a big game in this too you just see the Bengals team and you're thinking you know what yes they can beat anyone in the AFC they can beat anyone in the NFC and as long as they don't get in their own way this is a team that I think a month ago we still had questions about I do not have questions about these Cincinnati Bengals today no Joe Burrow said in Tennessee this is the type of game that great teams win. And I think he was right. And I think what they're showing is they they are a great team right now. And they can be a great team in January because they've learned how to protect Joe Burrow. And they've learned how to call their offense with the, the early down passes. They are able to run even without Mixon. And that play call... On, on third and 11, after Burrow took a curious sack that J- Tony Romo was on him about in terms of clock management, he could have thrown it out of bounds, but he got a little mixed up with the clock and took a seven-yard sack. To call a pass in that situation, Zach Taylor's graduated. I mean, I <laughs> put the polo away. I don't know what's next. I think you, you put on a tailored suit, a, a Zach Taylor uh, suit. <laughs> Wear whatever you want. If you just want to be comfortable in a big hoodie, it's a wonderful world out there where, like, Huge hoodies are fashionable. I, do that. Do whatever you want, Zach Taylor. You've graduated. This I, team has graduated. He's basically saying, Greg is saying, wear what I wear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are I don't, layers I don't know. to this. It's very, yeah. Can I just counter? Um, he doesn't have to change anything. It's just your opinion was wrong. No. But this I, man I, is I actually he's a, a good coach. He's he's evolving. and We're all evolving, Greggy. But I think what's happening here is in money time, in December, against the mighty Chiefs, He's smart enough. I guess it doesn't take – I don't know what it takes, what you have to wear. But when you have Joe Burrow there, it's common sense. I would have been with you. I would have been – if they would have run the ball and then gotten beat by Mahomes, I would have said, damn it, Zach Taylor. you got to trust trust that guy like he's Joe Montana because sometimes that's what he's like. And he did. So I give credit yeah. to Taylor for realizing what a great talent he has here. Man, this is, this is such a uh, – and a fun wrinkle here. The AFC is wild because you have the Chiefs now. Um, the Bills didn't play today, and they went from the fifth seed all the way up to the first seed. Mm-hmm. They're back at the top in the AFC East. They passed the Dolphins. We'll get to them in a minute. The Chiefs now fall back. Uh, but the Bengals are right there, Greg. And it's like it's hard to when, – when this thing gets to January and hopefully everybody stays healthy, something you can never take for granted, today being a perfect example – why not the Bengals getting back? I would love to see a fourth matchup here. And if it happens, it'll probably be an arrowhead. The rest of the Chiefs' schedule is very favorable. Wouldn't surprise me if they win out uh, and get the one seed. I consider them still the favorite. But that's secondary to me to the development. The fact that P. Ryan can get 106 uh, yards on the ground. And you mentioned, Wes, it really hit me talking about that because – it just reminds me what we're missing in our newsroom watching these games. He would absolutely be about this Bengals team because he's just about great football and great football players and great quarterbacks. And it'd be strange because it's the Bengals, but it'd be undeniable. It, 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 Joe Burrow is undeniable. Well, I mean, what, whatever uniform this team was wearing, he would love the way they're constructed, the way that they showed faith in Joe Burrow. And I, one other thing about Zach Taylor, I think one reason that you were on him a year ago and I was too was that – 
Their offensive line continued to be a problem from wire to wire. There never seemed to be any ability to adjust. And the offensive line, yes, they made their improvements over the offseason, but they started out as a bit of a disaster. And it has not been a liability the same way. And I think that allows you to show more confidence in Joe Burrow, too. Um, Mark, you've always been on the ball, sharp as a tack when it comes to warning the general public about the difference uh, between the two sports, basketball and football. I'd like to think I, that I do do that. And then Tony Romo goes and throws just a Molotov cocktail into your ent- entire thesis. Oh, he did the Michael Jordan up on top with the ball stretched out. Fumble comes out, but I think the Michael Jordan of the sport maybe just got and over two guys. Unbelievable. Patrick Football Mahomes. is completely different Same. than basketball, right? And I and I picked out Justin Herbert before the season, but I would point that Wes made multiple comparisons between football players and Michael Jordan, starting with Odell Beckham. You could throw others in there. And so this has right. been going on for a while. You know, no one invented this. Right, but you've always maintained that it's a completely different sport. I do maintain that they're yes. not the same sport. And I think you're right. Yeah. I think history will pro- prove you correct. I think it's already well on its way to doing that. Um, let's hear from Joe Burrow just because uh, he's a bad man. Why not? And he uh, spoke uh, with Rachel Wolfson after the game. Tracy Wolfson after the game. We just have guys that know what it takes to win, know what it takes every week in practice to grind, work your ass off, to come out here in a moment like this in front of this crowd and come out with a big win. Mm. That, like, that being said, that's all it is. It's a big win. We got several more coming up. So that was a fun one, but I know we'll be seeing them again. A lot talked about coming in about the rivalry with you and Mahomes. How would you describe what is taking place? Man, I thought it lived up to the hype. I would just say also that we'll get to the Ravens and what happened to them today as well, that the Bengals team that lost 19-17 to 17 to Baltimore back in week five, that team doesn't exist. This is a, such a better football team than the Baltimore Ravens, and the idea that anyone but the Bengals are winning this division is absurd to me. All right. Well said. Strong take. Is it? Great game. Uh, I mean, it's correct. I think yeah. they are. I mean, who's? there aren't many teams playing better than the Bengals, period, right now. Right. Um, let's now move to another marquee matchup. So show me Sunday. Cincinnati showed us that once again, they are the real deal. Casey, they're going to be fine. Like Greg said, they'll probably, but when the dust settles, they might even be atop this conference and be ready to make another uh, run to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati's going to be right there. Miami and San Francisco. Interesting intra-conference battle. Let's check in with that game. Tyreek is out left. Going to run a deep route. Tua going to step up. Oh, got hit from behind. The ball is out. It is picked up. Run back the other way by Dre Greenlaw. A scoop and score. Touchdown! San Francisco! Big play, Dre! Unbelievable. That Niners defense does not quit. Greg Papa with the call. KNBR, Dre Greenlaw with that fumble recovery for a touchdown. And rookie quarterback Brock Purdy threw two touchdown passes after replacing an injured Jimmy G. The Niners ride that D to a 33-17 win over the Dolphins. That's five straight wins for the Niners. However, Greggy, Jimmy G exits this game. With a foot injury, it's announced after the game that he will need surgery on that foot. It's broken. He is done for the year. So a cataclysmic event here for San Francisco that overshadows a huge victory. Yeah, let's start with the Jimmy G 
news because the fact that they overcame Garoppolo's injury in this game is worthy of talking about for a while. But the fact that Brock Purdy is going to be their quarterback for the rest of the season is a is a huge letdown. We, we've been looking at this team as a potential Super Bowl contender. They're eight and four. The way that they played this game and won this game with Purdy, I, I think, proved that because they did it in different ways, running defense and also Purdy making uh, enough plays to win it. The way he played it, though, Dan, does give me a little hope that we can keep this thing going. I don't know why I'm saying we. Uh, I haven't been a 49ers. <laughs> well, you're fan loyal to you know to football. Yeah, yeah we're just literally like, every team. We're just like hoping that the football can be good. And his football was good. He looked a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. To be fair, it was weird. There was after his touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey, he actually even did the Garoppolo like fist down pump thing. That I don't know if that's a thing behind the scenes with the San Francisco <laughs> QBs, so. but you know it makes sense. I mean, Maybe it's a, a Kyle nod Shanahan to Jimmy guy. G? I, Speaking know. of Jimmy G, let's hear from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, who discussed with the media the the unfortunate prognos- prognosis of his QB, and that is the second QB1 that San Francisco loses for the year. Unbelievable. Um, and Jimmy, um, foot, he'll be out. He'll end up need surgery. Um, broke a few things in there, so um, real unfortunate to have that, so obviously. I mean, just hearing it, it was, it was pretty crushing. I mean, it's, oh, man. you know what Jimmy's been through, how hard he's worked at this. You know, I, I got that news a little in the second quarter. Um, so it was a little different for me, even just how happy we were with that game. That was a really cool game just as a team and all the stuff that went on throughout the game and just be able to co- overcome some things. And it was so, such a special win, um, but definite mixed emotions hearing about Jimmy. Um, I told the guys right after the game, and so I know that gave them some mixed emotions fast too. But um, it was a hell of a job by Brock coming in, stepping it up. He, he um, did a real good job today, and um, we're going to be ready to do our best to overcome this. I, I mean, hadn't, you think I hadn't about seen it, they, that. No, and they, yeah. he, he's super emotional. I think, number one, it's, it's clear to all of, all of us that, like, Shanahan, there's something special between him and Jimmy G. I mean, this, if you think about it, this is a team that's lost two starting quarterbacks. Right. They were in that situation because they lost the first one, and now you're down to Brock Purdy, who I think 24 hours ago, it's safe to say, very few people in this room or behind the glass had much context for. Yeah, you know? and, the, and the fact that he looks so upset, I think maybe he's thinking the same thing, Greg, that – uh, we've been talking about because, uh, you know, when they lost Elijah Mitchell to another MCL sprain, I said on Thursday, man, they had two games where they had all these guys on the field together and they were unstoppable. And now, look, not only is Mitchell gone, you see CMC looks banged up. Greg, you, you pointed out on that big gainer he had near the end of the game. He didn't wasn't moving as well. And I think maybe he's a little slowed. And now to lose Garoppolo, you just wonder, like, is this is that how we're going to remember this team now? Most likely, and yet I still give them a good chance to win this division, to to go on a run and and be dangerous. Garoppolo and the like the supporting it just reminds you how messed up football is. I mean, the fact Shanahan knows that in the second quarter, the, yeah. the everyone was so jacked for this game. The two sides were talking trash during the week. Raheem Mostert had to go on to San Francisco radio and kind of talk down these comments that he made that the Dolphins were way more talented than San Francisco. And he was upset about how it went. And everyone is just so fired up for this game. And almost immediately Garoppolo suffers that injury. It was on the last play of their first drive, which ended in a field goal where you know, he kept extending the play and ended up getting sacked and a couple guys fell on him. And for the team to respond and trail 7-3 because Tua Tungavailoa hits a 75-yard touchdown on his very first play and then to outscore the 49ers 
the rest of the way, 30 to what, 10 with Brock Purdy in the lineup? It's just football is like a, a crazy sport, and Brock Purdy is also a guy who was Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. I hate that, by the way. we got to change Well, he's, he's the name. He shrugged that title yeah. off. Right, that's gone. And that they cut Nate Sudfeld, who they'd given $2 million guaranteed to be their backup, behind Trey Lance. It was supposed to be Trey Lance and Sudfeld. It ended up being Garoppolo and Purdy. And Purdy did enough things in this game in terms of getting out of the way of pressure it wasn't all about the Miami tackles being gone in this game. That was a factor, and Nick Bosa made it a factor. But Miami's pass rush was after Purdy way more, had way more quarterback hits, uh, and Purdy actually got out of the way a number of times, made good decisions, uh, hit some big-time third-down throws to Debo Samuel, to Juwan Jennings to extend drives. It wasn't just him being kind of a caretaker. So it did give you a little hope here that they, that they can be effective offensively. I guess if you find out in the second quarter – that there is no more Jimmy G for this season, that you start to show immediate trust in Purdy because you have no other choice. And I thought they did, like, on that fourth down play that you mentioned that they, you know, they're dialing it up. I mean, it's like, at this point, you're it's on he Shanahan. He ran over a 300-pounder, Zach Sealer, sure. on, a 300, on a fourth down play. It's on Shanahan, too. And we, I think he's done this before. I think they did it last year when they were playing around Jimmy G. You've got to find different ways to move the offense. It's just that they are banged up at running back, too. It's like... Depth suddenly, out of nowhere, became a massive issue for a team that I thought was essentially heading to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm with you, too. I Outside thought, of Philly. I thought we were, we were screaming, and this is why I can't assume anything. Um, Eagles, Niners, NFC title game. NFC just got a lot more wide open to me right now. And I think spinning over to the Dolphins' side, um, this was a show-me Sunday for them because they, they mowed – through some of the worst teams in football during their five-game winning streak, and this was a big test. And then Jimmy G goes out early, and you're against a third-string rookie quarterback. And to, I, this score is misleading. 33-17 is not really how this game played out. So they didn't get blown out in this game, but some of those questions about the offense resurface here because Tua was, for the most part, inefficient and ineffective for the first time with his accuracy. He's been so locked in for so much of this year. This is, in fact, the first game that they lost that he started, and I guess he didn't technically finish because they brought in his backup, so that stat will live on with an asterisk. But I thought the the turning point of the game here is uh, they're down 23-10. Um, they, they wake up, and they march right down the field. They get a long touchdown pass uh, to Tyreek Hill, 45 yards, and they cut it to 23-17 and then force a punt. They get the ball back, and... They had a chance, Tua and this offense, to wipe away a bad day at the office with one more big drive, take the lead, and maybe steal this game. And it ends in painful fashion, Greg, on a fourth and two at San Francisco's 36 with 6.03 to play. Tua targets uh, Mike Gusecki, who looks like he's open. He's going to catch it. But Drake Greenlaw, who had a Mm. huge game, closes out of nowhere, gets his hand in there and forces an – it was ruled a catch – overturned on replay, and that was the game ultimately. Yeah, Tua talked about that play after the game, indicating there were some mistakes on that play. And I think what he meant was people not being in the right spot. And he more than once in his press conference alluded to some communication issues where either he he had some inaccurate balls, like his interception. He had two interceptions in the game and and that fumble late. but he also said that there were miscommunications where he thought guys were going to be in a certain place and maybe, and then, and then they weren't. And that explained 
perhaps some of the inaccuracy because it was 23-10 entering the fourth. And to that point, there had been seven straight drives where Tua and the Dolphins' offense looked as bad as they looked all season. Tua's missing wide-open players all over the place. And I kept thinking, man, this is a bad sign for the 49ers. Guys are just running free, and Tua keeps missing them. But eventually, their defense that we expected kind of showed up. Greenlaw and Warner make this team special. That is the best linebacker combination in the league. Greenlaw also had a catch in space or a tackle in space on Tyreek Hill that helped set up that fourth down stop. And Warner had a couple pass deflections. I mean, they are special. And then Bosa with three sacks, like they have superstars. So to at least give themselves confidence, but to a, uh, it was a concerning performance to say, yeah, I mean, and Bosa is the new sack leader. And I think you have D'Amico Ryans, who's going to be a head coach a month and a half from now. Number one. I mean, he's going to get a job off of this. If this is how the defense carries the team down the stretch. And it's like, that's the part of it. It's like San Francisco. Yes. You lost your quarterback, but it's not the same thing as the chiefs losing Patrick Mahomes or Team X losing someone that they simply cannot hmm. operate without. I, I think that Jimmy G, though, to be fair, was the last month and a half playing about as well as he's ever played. And so you were getting a good version of him. So I, now so they, they become a team he, in, of, of mystery. Here's the case. What we know about the Kyle Shanahan offense, the fabled offense that his father and all that. It's, it's quarterback friendly in, in terms of its design. It, you're not asking the quarterback to make a ton of reads. Maybe you could spin this. If Brock Purdy's ready for this and he can make the throws, he can find a way to be efficient because you don't need, to your point, Mark, I think what you're saying is you don't need a, a guy to be a superstar back there. you got to have a guy that could get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, kind of how I see Tua a little bit in Miami. Uh, can Brock be that guy, or is their season over now? I right. think, and we're going to find out as this goes on. And Greg, we, one more thing. Oh, Westbro's back in the win column, locked up the Niners. Nice. Nice. That was nice. nice. Uh, McCaffrey, keep an eye on McCaffrey, of course. Yeah. They don't have a lot of depth back there anymore. He had that 30-yard run, which is a big run late in the game that uh, set up the field goal that kind of put it away. But if you take out the 30-yard run, that's seven, se- uh, 16 carries for 36 yards. And, yeah, on that run, he wasn't. you could tell he wasn't as explosive, but it was a – gutsy game by McCaffrey who ended up with 144 yards from scrimmage, eight catches, 80 yards in a touchdown. Like you could tell he was playing at less than a hundred percent and like took one for the team. And he's going to need to do that a lot mm-hmm. more. All right. So huge developments, two big games. Let's take a break and we continue to spin through. Show me Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back. Show me Sunday rolls on. And now you have a game here between the Jets and the Vikings. The Jets looking to show the world they can knock off a top team in the NFC. And the Vikings saying, respect us. We're more than just a good record. Let's see what happens. Fourth and 10 from the Vikings 19. Minnesota leads by five. Zadarius Smith comes flying up the center. Mike White hit as he throws. Throws to the goal strike. And it's intercepted by Cam Bynum. And that is your ball game. Cam Bynum with the second interception for him this season. And the Vikings are going to win 27-22. If you hear in Paul Allen's voice or KFAN, <laughs> uh, he's a little bit, he almost seems exhausted. It's because if you're a Vikings announcer or fan or both, as Paul Allen is, that was an exhausting win for the, for the Vikings who had control of this game against the Jets, badly outplayed the Jets in the first half, and then... In the second half, the offense does what the Minnesota offense does at times, which is fizzle, uh, go through ruts, and the Jets kept chipping away. However, Minnesota's defense hung tight and got stronger in the red zone, and that was the key to this 27-22 to win. Uh, you heard that Cam Bynum interception at the one-yard line again and again, boys. Um, in the second half of this game, the Jets, and even uh, in the first half, they would march down the field, Mike White um, connecting with his wide receivers, uh, get into the 20, get inside the 10, get inside the 5, and then not have an answer. And that leads to Greg Zerline hitting five field goals. Meanwhile, Minnesota's offense, three trips to the red zone, three touchdowns, and that was a major difference in this game. It, it doesn't leave me um, with anything, to be honest, but more hope for the Jets. It, I, 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 th- we can get to the Vikings part of it, but I, like they only allowed a touchdown in the second half. The, the, there's a different type of Jets team that collapses down the stretch. And Instead, I thought they they toughened up. And I, to me, you look at the AFC playoff field right now, the Patriots are nothing to me. The Jets, I would take <laughs> them much more. They, they are. The Jets, no, I take much more seriously. And I don't King. know why you need like... Mike White to throw the ball 57 times with 26 incompletions. But I still saw things from Mike White today and the way that the offense moved in general. And you've got Garrett Wilson becoming an absolute star. Eight catches, 162 yards. That's the most by a Jets rookie since 1990 when Rob Moore, another phenomenal player, put that up. Corey Davis had big catches down the stretch. I mean, this they are playing. I know a lot of people don't believe in the Vikings because of the, the regression-heavy one-score 
uh, you know, victories Still this season. In but that, that said, they found a way. They, I look at a Jets defense that held Justin Jefferson to 45 yards. It's a missed it, opportunity. I think it's it a, is a know, missed opportunity but, at, because you do have a, a game in Buffalo. You have the Lions who have, have been playing well. You have a game at Miami. You just don't know. I I tend to agree that if you look at the playoff field, the Jets still feel like a likely playoff entrant because of the competition and, and where they stand. But you outgain the Vikings 486 to 287 and you lose the game, that's that's a missed opportunity. Absolutely. And that I think there are two ways um, to look at it. Yes, the Jets are proving week after week. By the way, this team is fun as hell to watch. Uh, one of my favorite Jets teams I can remember. Um, but at the same time, we are trying to break a playoff drought here, and you're going to have to steal a win like this um, to get there, to get to that 10th win, let's say. Remember, as we don't need to respect the Patriots, but they're also one game behind the Jets, and they swept the Jets, so they have the tiebreaker when you look at all this. So the Jets are kicking themselves, and I didn't love all the uh, play calling down near, down in close, but you also have to factor in some things with Mike White um, and and gaining comfort, uh, getting more comfortable between OC and QB. On the, on the Minnesota side, I don't know what to take from this game because cause it's no, no matter what I say, Vikings fans will listen to this and just be like, oh, Dan's being a hater because his team got beat. But the, my honest feeling on the Vikings is it doesn't change. Like, they're winning these games, and I just think to myself, am I impressed by what I saw in this game? I'm impressed by their ability to stand strong uh, near their goal line and end this game and win this game. But Kirk Cousins has not had a good year. He was sub-Gabbard zone in this game. And in general, it just this team does not seem to be a 10-2 team. Are you a bigger well, hater of the, the Vikings or the Dolphins? Because I did see that tweet against the Dolphins. Uh, and <laughs> today was kind of the end of I the— I like to give it to the Dolphins the fans a little MVP bit. race. And yeah. it, was a, it was a tough— day. The Vikings have a chance at some point, I feel like, because of their players, to play better than they have. And then they'll be playing better, potentially— uh, having already won 10 of their first 12 games. That's that's the idea. Like, as much as we're putting them... I agree with you that I don't believe in them, and yet they they only play one team with a winning record the rest of the way, and it's the Giants. Right. You know, so it's like they have a chance to get the one right. seed. Put it this way. Put it this way. <laughs> this is why they're... T- I know there's Vikings fans out there, like your buddy, Mark, that are absolutely uh, going to agree with me. At halftime, you're thinking, all right, not only are we winning again... Look how we're dominating in all phases. We really are that team. And then they played a second half that was so uninspired that it kind of, in some level, just put you back to where you were before this. So there will be some Vikings fans that will just say, we're 10-2, and two. that's all that matters. But they still, to me, have to answer questions. Uh, this did not do it for oh, I mean, a level-headed fan of any team can look at a record like this and say, okay, we're not that record compared to that record in years past with other teams that forged it in a different way. They had six drives that went for less than six net yards in the the second half out of seven drives. So this thing that they could say it's tired that we talk about a team that will take naps during games, but they simply do do that. They also, I think, find ways to get into these situations where they're winning these one-score games. They believe they'll win at the end. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think think they're, they're... I like their ceiling better than in years past because I really think that the change away from Zimmer and what was going on with Zimmer and the o- overall offense is much healthier now with this team under that, O'Connell. That play by Jordan Hicks, the linebacker who ultimately knocked the ball out uh, on the 
what was that, a fourth down to, to Barrios, which would have won the game. And people, should have been caught. People saying yeah. it should have been caught, though, but he, I think he, he hit his hand and he hit the ball. That was a nice play by Jordan Nix. That was a game-winning play. Uh, yes, the the Vikings defense deserves a lot of credit. The Jets went, I believe, three for 16 on third down, one for six in the red zone, and we talked about San Francisco and what happened there. I think anybody that's really watching this conference closely, before what happened today for the 49ers, would have had the Eagles clearly ahead. Mm-hmm. San Francisco should be seen as ahead. Then you slot in the Vikings and, and figure some things out. Maybe the Cowboys ahead of the Vikings. Now I think San Francisco drops things down, and this is I mean, this is a big positive day for the Vikings, who I think their chances mm. of getting to the Super Bowl also have increased here. So there you go. I'm not this isn't any I'm not bitter about that. The, that was a it was a good effort by the Jets and they just did not execute well enough, but there are a lot of good things to take away from it. Man, look at this it's frustrating. We've never watched a Jets team like this during the ten plus no. year run of this show. No. No. All right. Let's move on. So what did the Vikings show me? I don't know. That they know how to win close I, games. I think the Vikings they know showed how to you they, win. they are the Vikings they've been all along. Yeah, right they, now. the That's, Jets you know? too. This feels like a show me confirmation game. Okay. And <laughs> let's now head to Philly where the Eagles are like, what else do we need to show you? And the Titans say, we're still looking for some respect. We'll show you. Or will they? Justin Hurts. shaking his head. Spoiler he alert. deep for A.J. Brown, who hasn't <laughs> Not A.J. Brown, Gravedigger. A.J. Brown took it away from Trey Avery and scored his second touchdown of the game. Now, I'm telling you, they got to get these boys in the weight room. You talk about mossing somebody? That was mossed. That is the exact definition of mossing a DB. <laughs> oh, Gravedigger. Mike Quick putting your DBs in him body bag. I disagree. Mossing somebody is going up over their head. Not, I mean, that was an amazing catch, but that I mean, wasn't For the Titans exactly to be mossing. questioned for their physical stature is, is a new low. It's been a bad two weeks. Two weeks in a row. Reese yeah. and Mike Quick, WIP. Man, A.J. Brown, this was his revenge game. He, he, he wanted to stick it to the Titans, and he did. He scored three times. One was overturned. Then he scored two that counted. Uh, and the Eagles just ran away from the Titans 35-10. to 10. And, uh, man, it could have been worse. This was a, a really great effort by the Eagles' Mark Sessler. I mean, starting team-wide, it was a week ago when they ran over Green Bay with 380 yards rushing, and they showed they could do that. Today, they really didn't even emphasize the ground game, the Eagles. It, you know, after 157 yards on the ground from Hurts a week ago, he had 380 before he was pulled really far before this game ended. I mean, they just show that they can be so dominant. And it was, I think, a game plan completely designed around, if it works, we're going to showcase A.J. Brown because he wants us. He called the game personal. The 40-yard touchdown strike, he was the most wide open a wide receiver has been since 2017, according to metrics. The 29-yard touchdown, his long defensive, he drew a defensive, essentially a DPI that set up Hurts for a touchdown as well. It just was one thing after the next. And when it wasn't him, Devonta Smith had 100 yards too. Their passing game today, I thought, put it on a Titans team that, look at the Titans, I will say this, they were banged up. They lost Traylon Burks in this game, which left them at wide receiver down to essentially Nick Westbrook-Akina, Robert Woods, and C.J. Board. They lost David Long. They lost Christian Fulton. So a banged up, already banged up Titans team that was out physical by the Bengals a week ago 
I thought they got taken to them by the tight by the Titan or the uh, Eagles today. And I think your coach called about him leaving them at a crossroads. And, and we talked on Thursday about it. had they dropped this game. What kind of team are they? Here they go. Here is Mike Vrabel. I mean, I think we're at a crossroads. I told the team I think we're at a crossroads and kind of how we, you know, want to want to continue down this season. It sucks losing. It sucks getting beat the way we did. Um, but but we have to, you know, we got to make a decision. You know, how much are we willing to invest? Uh, and, and trust in, in what the, you know, the coaches are doing, trust in what each and other players are doing. So I just I think it's a critical time for us. Justin, uh, obviously this is a bad uh, day for the Titans, bad day for you. I know you locked up the Titans. That was, that was a rough one. Um, also, Traylon Burks, who's the guy they drafted to replace A.J. Brown, has what I thought a brilliant touchdown catch and gets knocked out on it. Um, so you have that on top of it, just a, a bitter, bitter pill this uh, game. I think Traylon Burks was literally knocked out the way the players were reacting, like calling over to the sideline immediately. I think he was out cold mm-hmm. on the field. That was unpleasant to watch. Yeah, ruled out pretty quickly with a concussion. And yeah, the Titans are in at a crossroads for sure. I think Mike Vrabel has coached around some talent deficiencies all season and through the injuries and everything. But when you come up against a team like the Eagles that are just so complete in all aspects of football, you reach a point where you just can't coach around it. And with Danico Autry missing the last two games, the Titans pass rush has been almost non-existent. And I know Danico Autry has been a great player. He's been playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. But before he missed these two games, I didn't know he, he was this valuable. But it feels like the Titans defensive line really misses. Well, they his also presence. might just be running out of gas here. They can't run the ball on offense, so you're Three getting dominated games. physically on offense. And then on defense, yeah, Autry's a good player, but the whole point of the Titans is they've had players in and out of the lineup up front, and they've still managed to win. The fact that Cincinnati really took it to them up front, followed by this game, it is a crossroads, and yet a little bit like the Vikings, it's like. Eh, they're going to win their division. I know they have the game against the Jaguars next week, which would basically all but win their division if, if the Titans win that game. Their schedule's not tough the rest of the way. They're going to settle in, hopefully, for the Titans uh, to this third or, or fourth seed and, and get ready for the playoffs and try to get healthy. That's fine, but I think that they're the team that in a totally wrong way, because we usually mean this positively, they zigged when everyone else zagged. These other teams went out and, like, we're going to find that wide receiver that changes our offense entirely. And I'll never forget the night of the draft where suddenly Gravedigger uh, breaks away from the work stuff to hold his own uh, mini podcast on, you know, what was it? Instagram, Instagram or something? Live. Well, I mean, because you were, you, but, you, but you actually, it was prof- You're in your feelings. You were prophetically annoyed because Who, Mark, I think when this he was watching game. Justin? That was Erica's oh, no. idea. For the record, Erica hand, put the phone in my face. I never, like, never listen to Erica. But, it, but that it, was I your first today, mistake. It, it got about as dark as you could have possibly imagined. If you looked ahead towards the schedule in this game, it was as dark as possible for yeah. the Titans. You want to hear some more darkness? Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Not at the, the expense dark. of Gravedigger's happiness. But. Age, and, and by the way, before I tee up this A.J. Brown quote, let's not throw too much dirt on the Titans because they will win the division, and you know they're going to be a tough out in January. Yeah. But right now, they look vulnerable and weak, and they should have A.J. Brown, and they don't, and A.J. Brown is going to make sure the Titans don't forget it. To be honest, it's been personal since, since the trade, to be honest. I've just been trying to keep it down. Just because, like, I got stated, like, that's where I wanted to be. And they just kind of just, <laughs> I'm not even trying to get into all that. But uh, but that's where I wanted to be. And, you know, things didn't work out, you know. And, 
it was just kind of just, all right, here, you know, here you go. You know, we don't want you anymore. You know, you just kind of get pushed to the side. And in that situation for me, and like I said, I had to grow up, you know, quick. As a fan, Justin, I, I empathize with you because that hurts even more. He was, he's saying, I never wanted to go, but they just didn't keep me around. And that makes it even worse. It's just weird because it felt like the negotiation went sour so quickly and the reports that he cut off communication with the oh, team reports. was probably a negotiation tactic to just like get a better <laughs> offer or whatever. And well, it's also that one agent Titan- controlling every one of these well, yeah. wide receivers that exploded financially. They knew what the price was. It's they didn't super, want to pay it. It's period. super frustrating that the Titans were just like, okay, fine, we'll just trade you away. We can replace you with a, a first-round draft pick or whatever. I don't know. It's, was it, it, was it, it, it Vrabel for once – Doing a Belichick move that was not smart. Mm. Like we are not going to pay him. It was we'll Vrabel. develop someone else. Oh come on! I mean, Vrabel and Mike and John Robinson are are joined they, at the uh, hip. They I'm not definitely saying they... work together. But Vrabel said a month before they traded him, as long as I'm the head coach, we will never trade AJ Brown. So, but, but, but to Dan's so point, that is a Patriots type move. We're it not going to suddenly right. drop a huge contract. He carries someone. a big stick in that organization. You know that. Of course. Then they work together for sure. It's yeah. not like. AJ Brown has nine touchdowns this year. The entire wide receiver group (laughs) for the Titans has four combined, and I'm so impressed by this Eagles team. Sometimes, you know, these games are close, and one of the little parts of their team aren't perfect, and they often respond with an outstanding game. Like, every game is not going to be perfect in the NFL season, but, like, they've had enough of these games that, man, they are a great and, team. And one thing about them, too, they, they, they out of the gate, I'm sure watching this, that they had an aberration game penalty-wise where their offensive line, they had five false starts before halftime and, like, eight or nine penalties, and it was very un-Eagles-like, and they didn't panic. They worked their way out of it, and you're pulling Hurts midway through the third because they're so explosive. And I think one thing about the Titans, it's when they can't run the ball, if you get them into these third and four, five, six, seven, eight yard situations, they have no way out. And Tannehill again was hobbling around. That's what I don't like about this offense right now. Six sacks for the Eagles today. I'm not throwing the dirt though. No, I'm not. Well, you don't be back. We're not throwing the dirt, but like the you're a little concerned. It uh, is a measuring stick type of game. I mean, they got blown out by row. the Bills. They couldn't ho- hold the their row. own with the Bengals, and they got beat. They are uh, winless against playoff teams. Current teams in the playoff field, Titans are 0 and right, 5. It's going to be okay. 0 oh, and 5. Hey, uh, <laughs> what does okay mean? You think they're going to win multiple playoff games? Or maybe? I, I just okay. don't. This is the lowest. Remember, before these two games, we were all saying, "Wow." Unbelievable, the Titans. Time to respect you, them. You jumped right. on their bandwagon. Well, it's been a tough ride. It's been a tough ride. It's been a tough ride. since this, March this was, this was the one game where I thought Vrabel <laughs> scheming from opponent to opponent did not matter at all. Do you want? Do you still want him on the Titans? Let's see how ben the Jags Wyatt? game goes. I mean, like, like I have, you, you think <laughs> that I have, I have the power to remove it's like the, the Titans head, from the head coach on a Monday so. saying, we're going to talk about the quarterback. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'll find another team if you like to remove me. Um, and one last note, Jalen Hurts to me is in the lead now in the MVP. With all due respect to the great Mahomes, hmm. it's close. But I think as he continues to stack these monster games for this very special uh, Eagles team. That's why we get this new voting process that Greg and others are so fond of. I think it makes that, sense. That will be uh, – that's a great point, that those second-place votes. I would still have Mahomes. To the desert. Yeah, because you picked them before the season. Right. You yeah. want that dub. I'd be the same way. <laughs> well, that's a great point, Mark. <laughs> to the desert. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> to the desert. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, 74 yards on 13 carries, and he gets it again. Pitches it back to Derek Carr. Looking downfield for Devontae Adams. It's straight at the five. Touchdown. 
I'll tell you one place, Mark Edward Sessler, where there's plenty of room is on the Raiders bandwagon. You want to join me? No, there's not, five a, and seven there's not now. a lot of room on that. I mean, they are heading towards the on the hunt part of the playoff picture in the AFC. Jason Horowitz and Lincoln me up in a month. Kennedy with the call. <laughs> Devontae Adams. This dude is unreal. God, there's so many dudes that are unreal on the Raiders that, you know, well, there's three. There's Max Crosby. There's Josh Jacobs this year. There's Devontae Adams. Shouldn't that be enough to make this team a player in the a AFC? A 27-20 win over the Chargers. Oh, Chargers. Um, a game that the Chargers jumped ahead early. And uh, it, feel, it felt like, okay, the, the Raiders are going to quietly fade away and the Chargers will get a big win here and they start start to gain some momentum. But instead, uh, from basically the second quarter on, Las Vegas took control of this game. And I thought that uh, Derek Carr played a good game. Again, Devontae Adams, he is worth every uh, penny and every pick that they sent because there are that you could count on one hand how many wide receivers can make the difference that he can? And he's one of those dudes. And every week he makes plays that very few players can make. And he's consistent. Um, so he has a big day. And the defense is getting better for the Raiders. They sacked Justin Herbert five times. And that's three straight wins. They split the season series with the Chargers. And uh, for the Chargers, Mark, this is just like more of the same. Here we are, six and six, mm. just kind of going through the motions of another season where you're an also in. Well, and, and Brandon Staley's calling card was his defense. And w we talked about the fact that before this season, they haven't injuries, no doubt about it, but they brought in a lot of pieces that would have fit really well, players he knew. And you're getting smoked by Devontae Adams for 177 yards and two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, you knew this was coming at you. He still gets 144. Just feels like every week for the Chargers. <laughs> this is un like I, I mentioned to Greg during the game. Greg does his great free agency. Sometimes it's 101. Sometimes it's 99. You never know. We're doing 101 be. consistently. Uh, where does a guy like Josh Jacobs fall? Because we know running backs don't uh, tend to get paid and aren't valued on the same level. But he, I mean, he's starting to creep into the offensive player of the year conversation to me. Yeah. Uh, and. And he's about to hit the open market if they don't tag him. Do you I trust him at all to up. do this next year? Greg? I, I think the Raiders hopefully will find a way to keep him because he just belongs in this system. He's such a good fit. I just hope he holds up to the end of the year. He had 26 carries in this game. Uh, he hasn't had a workload like this coming off another big workload last week. I mean, in terms of a, a season mm -hmm. workload. It's crazy that Adams had 177, Jake was at 144, the next closest skill position player at 35. So this is like a three-person team. Yeah. And yeah. on well, defense, missing guys, but yeah. right, on defense, it's been a one-person team all year, Max Crosby. But today you got three sacks out of Chandler Jones. Finally. <laughs> who came into this game with half a sack on the season. And I really think Corey Lindsley is, is a Jenga piece for the Chargers. When he, their center, has not been in their line, up their offensive line has gone from okay to just terrible and it sounds like they were terrible I think today one reason you could mm -hmm. believe in the Raiders Dan I know, I know you already do but just that they're they're kind of the mirror Vikings in the AFC the reverse mirror because they were 0 and 6 in these one score games last two weeks 
They're now two and six because of two closer wins. If they can do this with Josh mm. Jacobs regularly at this time of year down the stretch, I believe in that kind of team because you you have a couple stars that do this on a weekly basis. You just knock the Chargers and Patriots. Chargers, another team I do not buy in for this playoff race. Get them out of here. So I don't quite remember everything I said on Thursday because I was half alive, uh, but I said this was a huge game for the Raiders and this this pipe dream of them being in the mix. Now that they have it, you look at their schedule and you say, we're at Rams next week. That could be a dub. Then you host the Patriots. You should be able to beat – I don't think the Patriots are a very good team. Absolutely. And also, they then you jump them in the standings and you get the tiebreaker if necessary. If you get that win, then you're at Steelers, who I know are – they're competitive right now. Can win that game. And now, all of a sudden, the Niners – they have Brock Purdy right, at quarterback. Right. One at a time. But, but they're, they're saving Just Nick, McDaniels. I don't know if his job was going to be saying. in danger, but it's definitely not in danger now. Derek Carr is playing well enough to raise his trade value so that they can bring in debt Tom Brady next year to reunite. But it doesn't with seem McDaniels. so crazy it anymore. It doesn't because also you like you looked at that Niners Chiefs <laughs> conclusion of the season. The Chiefs could be sitting players that week and you're passing okay, okay, you're passing okay. the your little patriots greg and the chargers no, 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 in the night and I the just, wild card round like, anything can happen i would say like you, wait, <laughs> let, don't worry about who the raiders have been all year if they are who they like the last two weeks if you get this team every every squad that dan just mentioned could be felled by the raiders chandler, chandler jones is speaking of jenga pieces he's been the opposite of that this year but if he turned turned it on and was chandler jones opposite max crosby there's just a lot here after some heartbreaking losses for this team, they profile as a very interesting team to All keep an eye on All along, they here. profiled yeah. as a team that should be close to 500. And now they're getting there, but can they pass the Jets? That's what they'd have to do to make the playoffs. Oh, I didn't think of that. Well, to get off that, <laughs> let's get go off that Rams. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. <laughs> that got ugly. And we'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like ah, being transported to a tropical island retreat. 
imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Oh, sometimes the real show is what happens during the break. Absolutely. I mean, these guys, it's like <laughs> they're just buddies. It's like that's the show. Well, no, Greg revealed something that I would categorize as, as disturbing. So, uh, well, Interesting. All right, we're going to share that at the end of the show. Yeah, well, we'll, we will. All right, let's move <laughs> on to Houston where a certain quarterback made his season debut. At the two on the punt, Donovan Peoples-Jones back and back and catches at his 25. Now where's he going to go? Cuts right. Out of a tackle, out of another tackle. 30, 35, 40, nice 45, 50. He's down the That's sideline. That's a great return. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. He's gone. Touchdown, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Only the second this year. There it is, Donovan Peoples-Jones with a punt score. So, yeah, Deshaun Watson returned. First game in 700 days, but it was that DPJ score plus two defensive dif- touchdowns by Cleveland. That was the difference in a 27-14 win over the Wobegon Houston Texans who fall to 110 and 1. They don't want anything to do with a dub because they want that first pick. Nick Shook and now joins us from Ohio. Shook, uh let's start with the obvious the the game we knew wasn't getting that pumping. Is able to do two things at once. Unbelievable. Uh the Cleveland Browns better beat the Texans. Everybody better beat the Texans, but everybody wants to know how did Deshaun Watson look in his first game in 700 days? Uh, predictably rusty, maybe even more than people anticipated. Uh, left a lot of throws short. Every pass, almost every pass he had had a diving down effect on it, skipped a lot of balls uh, at the feet of intended targets. And, and you can see their frustration throughout the game as they – they knew they were open. He just wasn't delivering the ball. But there were glimpses where you saw the Deshaun Watson of old where it's like, hey, maybe if he gets more comfortable and more in rhythm in this offense, he can complete passes. It's just the fact that he hasn't played in nearly two years. The speed of the game was visibly affecting him. He he looked skittish in the pocket. He looked like he wasn't used to being you know, pressured by a live pass rush. And, and he also has to fit in this offense over time. So it was rusty. It wasn't a great game from him. And I'll tell you what, guys. Against like 29 other opponents in the league, the Browns probably lose this game because Houston's own deficiencies and just struggles in general are what produced a lot of these points for the Browns uh, and the fact that Kyle Allen's playing. I can't imagine that Kyle Allen's any better than Davis Mills, but I know they're working. They're worried about 2023, so it doesn't matter either way. If they weren't playing the Texans, they'd probably lose this game because they don't get those opportunities. But credit to them, they did capitalize. Most of it did not have to do with Deshaun Watson. Uh, little glimpses of, of potential being better. You know, first game back, it's it's pretty expected. Nothing surprising there. Nothing shocking, stunning, or impressive either. They're lucky that they scored in every other possible way a team can score in, basically. I mean, I, I, every time I looked up, they were showing cut-ups. To your point of Watson's ball, like throws, essentially landing the feet of receivers. It looked a little bit like his very brief preseason action. So I think you're right. He's just extremely rusty, and it's a hard ask to go I know that you know they're essentially out of the playoff race barring a major surge 
But to make this transition right now off of a Jacoby Brissett-led offense that seemed to just be working in different ways. I thought that Watson's presence in there took away from the ground game. It took away from everything. And it's like, hmm. all right, so what's the rest of the season? I mean, maybe when, when do we expect him to look kind of on board and fresh here? I mean, th- this was not the player they traded for, the guy we saw today. Yeah, I think this is one of those instances in which if you got a full length of a season to get your feet under you, that by the time they got to this point in the year, they'd be humming. It's just the fact that, you know, you drop them into week 13. This is a guy who hasn't seen live reps in close to two years. You're going to have issues. It just looked like he wasn't comfortable. He wasn't used to the speed of the game. And the only thing that cures that, much like a rookie quarterback, is more game reps. So, like again, like I said, you can't be too surprised by the fact that he struggled there. Uh, if you expected a lot from him, I think you were, you know, but they were playing La La the Texans. Land. Like this is the worst performance by any quarterback against the Texans this year, probably by a lot. They had three points offensively, essentially, because one of the two field goals they got were just off of a, a turnover where they go three and out. So he played absolutely terribly. And then after the game, you know, they, they ask him questions. The, the Browns media arm don't let anyone from Houston ask any questions, which is wild. They, they, the Cleveland media and some national media asked him the questions, but no one that was there from the Houston media got, got called on. You had to raise your hands to ask him a question. And they a- ask a question from Jenny Rentos to whether he feels any remorse and he just, you know, of what goes on and he decides not to answer it at, at all, just saying he's happy to be back on the field. And it just sort of kicks the can. I know these questions are going to slow down, but I, I think it does kick the can down the field that like people aren't going to move on when he's that's the reacting strategy. like that. that yeah. He's going to keep kicking the can until people stop asking. But people would move. Here's the thing: yeah. people would move on so quickly if 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 he had even the, a modicum of feeling like he did anything wrong or admitted that he did Isn't anything he pushing wrong. Pushing it off, saying that his 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 legal team is telling him not to say anything. But too? some of this, stuff, sure. But some of them have nothing to do with legal questions, as Jenny Brent. I think he uh, should be allowed to, to answer the question. Well, I, mean, or I, maybe I just don't think he's. he's this call is me not, cynical. Maybe he's waiting to turn it into a payday in the off season and do some type of uh, yeah. big interview or something. Or we're expecting him to have a reaction that he simply that's not who he is but he wasn't yeah. ready for the moment today like on the field like going to Houston and playing like he, he was not ready and he got bailed out and you know they do get the win and get to five and seven and and Baltimore loses their quarterback when he get to that later and you almost almost were like oh what's going on in the AFC North uh, but the Ravens do get that win so the Cleveland is still very much kind of in play out the string, and Watson is going to use the rest of the season. Same record as your Raiders, uh, the Browns. Just it's true for what it's worth. That's they true. do have to play in Cincinnati next week. So uh, and how was the response from the the fans in Houston? Obviously, that's another subplot with this return. Uh, played his whole career until this point in Texans before everything that went down. Yeah, it was a subplot that was covered plenty on Twitter. Um, you know, videos of him signing autographs for Browns and Texans fans before the game. The only real reception I noticed the entire game was his first few snaps. There was some audible bull- boos on the broadcast. There was audible, you know, just like that, that kind of like low roar from a fan, you know, the fan base right. that were booing him as he took his first snaps. That was it. Other than that, there was, I mean, there, there weren't that many people at this game. Right. Not exactly <laughs> like a, a rowdy fan base at this point. Like you'd have to pay right. me to like go. If you were expecting no. 70,000 people to pour into that building and just boo him uh, from start to finish. Well, no. the fact that the, the Texans are one ten and one takes some of the air out of that balloon as well. So anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Shooky and head to the Meadowlands. 
Let's move on. Five seconds to go in overtime, Gross. and Graham Gano can send his team home a winner, or we're both leaving with a tie. Oh, Here's the no stat. ties. Hold down. No ties. It's no, get there. No, get no, there. It's not no. gonna get there. Oh. It is no good. And Washington and New York are gonna settle for a 20-20 tie in round one. Graham Gano way. You know we'll what? see him again. It's not a win, but it's not a loss. <laughs> Covered all those bases. I mean, some of that analysis there. Yeah. <laughs> all that was absent was the kissing your sister portion of it, which is thrown around. It is like kissing your sister. I don't have a sister, so I can't. I have no reference. It's a good. It's a maybe a bit tired, but it's spot on because there's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> Bram Weinstein, London Fletcher, Julie Donaldson, WBIG. You'd have to argue it's not a defeat though either. Is that accurate? Exactly. You have a sister. So. Yeah, it's a tie. All right. The Giants end a two-game losing streak. The Commanders, their winning streak ends, but they are unbeaten. In four. This is gross. I hate all that. Hyphen one for both teams shook, and it's disgusting. It's gross. It's The worst part about it, if you're a fan of uniformity, is looking in the standings and seeing the number dash, number dash. It's the worst. Number. I mean, it just ruins everything now in terms of Now four teams symmetry. have marred our schedule. Especially when it comes to like the playoff scenarios when we get closer. Because of this, it's going to be so messy. Oh, don't forget the and tie. And annoying with two, with two <laughs> weeks Screw to go. You. And your tie. Go yeah, ahead. And, and nobody, nobody complicates matters more than the commanders. They, they that's do. all they've done the last six or seven weeks. They They're just, the great complicators. They get in there and they, they're the great, yeah, this should be the Washington Complicators, not the Commanders. Come on, let's get the branding on track. I mean, you know, I give them credit because they fought their way back in this game. It was Taylor Heineke leading a touchdown drive within the final two minutes, you know, earning more compliments from his teammates who want to talk about his courage and his onions and everything else that he carries around. But at the end, they couldn't get the job done in overtime. The Giants couldn't get the job done in the second half. What do you say about a tie? You can't lean mm. toward focusing on one team more than the other. The only good thing, though, guys – the Giants offense started to figure it out again. You know, they've been pretty bad for the last month. Daniel Jones had his most rushing yards in since week seven. Uh, that became a feature part of their offense again. That's been gone for a while. Saquon under four yards of carry, but made a difference. And Danny, Danny Dimes throwing the ball around the field a little bit. They just couldn't come up. How in about the key this? Though, shot themselves in the foot. Uh, our yep. buddy, friend of the show, best friend of the show, some might say, Kayvon Thibodeau has the blindside sack of Heineke at the commander's one yard line in OT. And that sets up a 58-yard field goal by Graham Gano that we heard that fell short. It's like, man, that's on a platter to go win a ball game, move down the field 20 yards or so, and they and they just couldn't do it in well, money time. They there. didn't have time, though. That was after Brian Dable essentially played for the tie. Both coaches ah, okay. played Thank you for, for the clarification. Yeah, they played for the tie. The Washington clarification. I, you know, it's all I, very Washington D.C. I was an, I was a little annoyed by Dable's decision to punt there. They we this game. You're right, Shook. Was it's very hard to come up with what to say about it because we had two punting decisions on fourth down in opponents' territory in overtime. R Rivera was a fourth and nine, but still they had a point where it was six, second and seven at the 41 of the Giants in overtime. You think this game is just about over because they're moving the ball. Then they go backwards a couple plays. They decide to punt. Dable decides to punt as well. I think it was fourth and five after they, they botched uh, a couple 
plays. Also, there was one in the backfield where, where it was third and one in overtime and two of their players in the backfield yeah. run into each other. I, I disagree a little bit with you, Shook, on their offense. If only the Giants, that is, if only because like I thought Daniel Jones played near perfect for three quarters and was coming up with a lot of plays where he really wasn't protected very well. Allen and Payne really dominated. And he had to play perfect for them to just be up a touchdown against the Commanders. The Commanders, to me, look like a better team, a more talented team overall. And yet they were in a position where if they could get one fourth down stop, that's the Giants, the game is over. And Taylor Heineke, who did not play a good game until that point, gave the other team a lot of chances, is rolling left and throws a total dime on the run, sprinting left. And another dime after that, I have to admit, Heineke like, just shows up in the biggest spots. Like I was impressed by Heineke. If, if nothing else, I'm picking the commanders the next time these teams play in two weeks because I feel like the Giants got a little lucky here. So how does it work for well, Heineke yeah, with the Nikes, by the way? Does he get one Air Jordan? Does he need to tie in the well, rematch to stay, get the other? stay off that charade this week, right, Shook? Take us through it, Nick. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, what, are you going to walk around with one shoe on and a sandal on the other? We can't do this. No. But no, to, to your point, Greg, I think, you know, the, we know the Giants are operating at a bit of a talent deficit. That's why their story's been so compelling this season. Fair. I was really disappointed in Brian Dable putting them in the situation that they did that led to the punt, which was that confusion in the backfield. I don't know if there was a communication issue or they were trying to get a little too complex. Pick up the first down. Take it in small bits. You need three points. You don't need to go try and be a hero in this game. In games like that, that's going to matter at the end of the season when you end up tying in this game. Not only is it going to make us mad about the standings, it's going to matter overall with where you can actually go, whether you can reach the playoffs. Can I, think, can I argue, though, that like a tie between Washington and the, this year's New York Giants is perfect? This it is what these two perfect. are. I don't, should, I don't see one as clearly perfect. better. We need so another like, tie. You know, we need another tie in two weeks when they play again. Then I'd be very cool. With it. <laughs> that would be <laughs> it would even, even, even it out. And I think for the Giants, in the NFC especially, where that seven seed, you might not need – Maybe you do. Maybe you don't need to have a great record. Like, avoiding another loss, I almost feel like it was a, a moral victory All right. so, somehow for the New York Giants. All right, so let's go. Let's just set it up real quick then because the Giants get the Eagles next week, and let's just let's give them the L. Who knows? You never know. But let's say they get the L there. That sets up a rematch with Washington. It feels like, to me, whoever wins the battle of seven, five, and ones is going to get that last playoff spot. Because you're going to have the win there and, and the Seahawks head -head will be win. in the mix. We got five weeks to go here. Yeah, but that well, one, it, that hype in one, is right. going to cause and a maybe, lot of issues. Maybe for I'll teams. respect because these are two teams that everyone refuses to respect, including right. the Taylor Heineke slander. He's just a guy coming in doing the best he can, and he threw a couple Actually, of amazing no, throws those, today. Those throws were incredible, but I, I tried to give the Giants respect here. I was rooting <laughs> on the Giants in the lock in the uh, in the newsroom like they were my team. Every Giants fan is always saying, like, oh, you're so down on the Giants. Admit it, Mark. Every was, Giants fan? That's going, how we don't operate in journalistic circles. I was going crazy for the Giants, <laughs> and they let me down. Um, your Heineke analysis there, I loved it after just three words. He's just a guy. <laughs> He's doing exactly what they asked him to do. He doesn't, like get his incentives. Like he doesn't yeah. get the money that he He's wins. Uh, he, I think he gets an incentive for every win, and so he doesn't get that. So they I did ask Ron Rivera oh, what it's his like punched in the face by your sister. They asked Ron Rivera what his message was to the team after this, and he simply said, "I wasn't quite sure what to say." Duh, I think that's sometimes just own it as a coach. This was a weird one. Go home, eat dinner. Chuck, 
point number three in my what we learned. Yes. What do you write about a tie? <laughs> I love that it. That's point. meta, and that's why you're <laughs> the best thing. in the business. Nick Shook, check him out at NFL.com, and check him every Sunday on the Around the NFL podcast. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. I like that best in the business. That's uh... I mean, when we talk about the ATM writers, we have so many good ones. Yeah. Kevin Patrick, who's been a stalwart for years, coming at you on the morning side. Shooky holding it on. I mean, holding it down in the PM gets a little frisky at night with Shooky. Yeah, I, I'm more thinking if if he is the best in the business, I don't deny that. NFL.com might need to open up the purse at some point. Oh, the purse a strings. A little bit more money. I would imagine he could use. Are that. you the representation for one Nick Anthony Shook? Be happy to if the, if he's the best in the business. That would be a nice side hustle. Get a nice. I don't 15% know if uh, Shook's middle name is Anthony, but then he could go by Nas, <laughs> and that would be awesome. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I mean, the conversations during the breaks are uh, just... I mean, not for the entire family. All right, let us move on. It is coming like a freight train. This team, this team, this team of ATL. Golf up under center, turns, fakes the give to Swift, throws, end zone wide open. Amaras, State Brown, touchdown Detroit Lions. Handle your business, boys. Handle your business. That's exactly what you've done today. No, hit it, Dick Thanks. Who will be the team? They 
Sorry, I don't wow. mean to catch up. Going from the song to the bongos, it's mm. almost too much for me. Give us some lights. bongos. Come, come, come. Jamal Williams ran for his 14th touchdown. What? Jeez. Early in the first quarter. If you had Jamal Williams' 14 touchdowns on December 4th on your bingo card, I'd wonder why you have a bingo card with NFL results, but also that's crazy. The Lions blow out the Jaguars, who were we were just throwing roses at the feet of the Jaguars last Sunday. And yet they could not even hang Greg Rosenthal with the team of ATL who win again, 40 to 14. To see their offense go up and down the field, put a 40-burger on them in a game where they only had eight offensive touchdowns. You know how many punts they had in this game, Dan? How many? Zero. You know how many turnovers they had in this game? On offense, Uh, zero. Zero. Ah. It's a perfect game. Four (laughs) touchdowns, four field goals. This, that's what it takes to get Mark Sessler to He's believe. He's in, baby. He's they, in. They I, would already, have a, I already told you I believed after the Bills game. They, 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 well, they, all they had to do is win But five. now we feel it. Now I feel it starting just to creep out of you, Mark. I feel like you're really starting to understand what's happening with this team, that they believe in each other. Dan Campbell, do we have anything from Dan on this I'd show? I agree with that. Do we have anything? From, oh, we have Jared Goff? Let's hear from Jared Goff. Um, taking care of the ball on offense, causing turnovers on defense, and, and cleaning the kicking game. It's, it's a pretty good formula, and, and we've been doing that. And um, It feels good. That was as complete team win as I've been a part of. Um, and it, it, was, it was really, really well done. And, um, Jared Goff, who I know he's I sticking it to right there. I understand Jared Goff never took home the, the big ring with the Rams, but he did go to a Super Bowl and was on some really good offenses in Los Angeles, and that was the best team win he's ever been a part of. He's sticking it to Sean McVay right there in verbally. Of impressiveness. It started with just a bit of good luck for Jared Goff in the in the Lions offense where he had a tip pass at the goal line that could have been intercepted and ended up leading to a touchdown. After that, it was perfect. And it's partly because we got everyone back here. Not everyone on the offensive line for, for the Lions. But offensively, DJ Shark is healthy again, and Goff hit him on a beautiful goal ball for about 41 yards. He ends up with five for 98. Amon Ross St. Brown, been healthy most of the year, but he's fully healthy now, 11 for 114 and two. DeAndre Swift is finally actually healthy. Maybe it was the mini buy after go. the Thursday night game. Four for 49 in the air, 14 for 62 and a touchdown. They look different when they have everyone on offense, Goff was feeling it. This Jaguars defense hasn't been there, and I think a lot of the a lot of the credit has to go to Ben Johnson. I think the offensive coordinator for the Lions has done as good a job taking the talent that he has and making them into a really inventive top five offense this year. Uh, ben Johnson might be getting some interviews, I think, after which, this season. Which they were. I mean, not statistically for the early part of the year too. I mean, I think the thing is like you look at the Thanksgiving 
day performance by Goff. The meltdown, the team meltdown and Goff missing that throw at the end overshadows what was a really strong performance. Three plus quarters. He's done it again today. He fits really well into this. And if Amon Ross St. Brown were on the Dallas Cowboys, he'd be leading the league in like jersey sales. I think it's just because he's kind of couched away on the Lions. This guy has been unbelievably as consistent a young wide receiver as there is out there right now. And I think him crushing this line, I mean, Jaguars secondary, is is sort of a a reminder of coaching because I don't think the Lions are that talented offensively. And the Jaguars have the second uh, highest paid defense in the league. They have a, a very few spots on their defense where you're thinking like, oh, this is a young, you know, up-and-coming player. There's, inj- I mean, injuries. They do have young up-and-coming players, I should say, but it's guys who they want to build around or free agent uh, acquisitions, and they've been pretty terrible this year uh, on defense, and this was uh, another game. And then you watch the Lions defense, on the other hand, who have really played with great energy since their bye. They've been an average defense statistically since their bye, and this week they were even a little better. They are a team on the come-up in the NFC. Doug Peterson... Summed it up, a lost day for Jackson. We talked about how great that win was last week, dramatic, and Lawrence playing out of his mind. We were kind of shocked to start the game. We were not ready. And, Greggy, if you are indeed, as you have been, I think it's been absolutely authentic, your passion for these Lions. But if you are a true believer, I look at the NFC playoff picture. We see the Seattle Seahawks in the seventh and final spot at 7-5. and five. And we see the Lions at five and seven in the nine spot. A true believer wants those two teams to flip spots. Are you a true believer? I would love to see the Lions in the playoffs. Let's get the Lions and the Seahawks in the playoffs over uh, the Giants. I have a question for you, Washington, can that work? No. About your true belief? Yes. Actually, can, yes. They play the Vikings next week, the Lions. That's a meaningful game on December 11th. So, of course it is. But then, if you're a true believer, they play the Jets the week after. Ooh. Don't turn this around on me. Well, I'm just asking you. You just did that to Greg, so I'm asking you. You suddenly you're in a bit of a logjam uh, spiritually I am and psychologically. I am a spiritual logjam in that situation, but I think we understand that I get a one week exemption as we a do not have to play. They don't have to play each other. They already did. Gino won that game 48 to 45. It was a wild. Remember, one. Greg has only been the biggest Seahawks fan you know for about three months. My fandom I, with it, the Jets goes all, back. It is all white noise years. to me. Greg and his favorite teams because there's roughly 32 of them. One last <laughs> note quickly about our the team of ATL. Jamison Williams returned in this game. Their first round pick. He only played about six or seven snaps. Had that's one interesting. Game. Man, but it's that's, just interesting that he's coming back. They've in the got mix. a great young roster. And they, they really have, do. Their best, the best pass rusher on the field today. This is why the draft is funky. Number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. At some point, can we ask for Trayvon Walker to make a play? I don't know. I don't, is anybody it, stunned, early? though? The way number he two, was profiled Number two overall number one pick, pick, Aiden R- Hutchinson. Been a solid season. He's been up and down. Uh, the best pass rusher that was a rookie on the field today was James Houston, the same guy I mentioned a week ago who came out of nowhere. Deion Sanders' program. Is your guy? Oh, I think James Houston is my guy. Mark it. Second career game, I believe, and he got another sack and another couple. He was good against the Bills too. That's what I'm saying. In the books. All right, let us move forward. We spoke of the Seattle Seahawks. They had the Rams. Ah, it should be a cakewalk across the sidewalk. Let's see what happened. Uh oh. Yikes. Hello. Gino takes the snap. Four man rush. Throws back inside. (laughs) Reaching out, making a catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. Are you kidding me? DK Metcalf, Ramsey was all over him. DK puts those big mitts up and says, that ball is mine, and the Seahawks take the lead. 
big pumped-up call there by Steve Rabel of K-I-R-O as DK Metcalf comes down. Big day for Metcalf with a big catch there. And the Seahawks are able to get out of SoFi with a 27-23 victory over the Rams, who started John Wolford uh, in place of Matthew Stafford, who, by the way, was moved to IR. And it was reported by Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic that it's a spinal contusion. Uh, and we won't be seeing him again this season, or maybe at all. That's uh, something to talk about down the line. But anyway, this game, uh, Greg, I, I'm not going to beg on the Seahawks. The, during the season, uh, there are games you're supposed to win that turn into dogfights, and you just got to find a way, and it looks like that's what happened today. Yeah, this was also a Rams team under Sean McVay that's owned Pete Carroll. I think have won eight out of their last ten. They blew him out, uh, I think, their last three times. And the Rams offense, for the first time in a long time, including when Matthew Stafford was playing, looked quite good. John Wolford, using play action, moved the ball well early in this game. Cam Akers ran for 60 yards. Tutu Atwell's making plays. Powell's making plays on the running game. It all felt like a little smoke and mirrors and trick plays, but it's concerning for the Seahawks' defense that once again, they do not look great, and once again, they don't have a running game, but they do have a quarterback, Dan, and you guys can... Huckle and chuckle and we're gonna cho- huckle. Tell can, us how we'd huckle. Can, how, does that how does one huckle? By and the way, you can have your little fun, but when you need a game-winning big-time drive by Geno Smith, a touchdown to win the game at the end of the fourth quarter, you get it. Nothing else was really working well for the Seahawks today, and maybe that's true for the balance of the season. He ends up with three sixty-seven and three, and that was a dime to DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was awesome in this game. He beats Jalen Ramsey there. The rest of the day, Jalen Ramsey wasn't really on him, but half of Metcalf's catches were in tight quarters using those strong mitts, and he goes one for one twenty-seven, or eight for 127 what happened? and a touchdown. He was awesome. I looked up at one point when we were watching this, and your beloved Geno Smith, and by the way, I feel like I've been praising Geno Smith for like eight sure, straight Sure, you got him in your now. top ten in your well, uh, QB He index. keeps doing it week after week, but suddenly he's out there jawing with uh, rookie running back Kenneth Walker, what was going on there? Let's not bring up Jaw and Geno Smith, but go on. Okay. I'm not sure because Kenneth Walker left the game with an injury. And I don't know if it was something where Hmm. on the play in question, whether there was a protection breakdown, that was my guess. Uh, But Geno wasn't happy with Kenneth Walker. And then they were yelling at each other and Kenneth Walker was pointing on him. But at that point, Kenneth Walker did not return to the game. He had an ankle injury and left. DJ Dallas, their backup running back, had an injury and left. They were already short. Uh, Travis Homer had an injury. So at that point, there was one player left on the running back depth chart. That was Travis Jones who went 7 for 14. So it was truly all on Gino, and he got it done. Um, I was thinking about this this morning, uh, before the latest Gino heroics and a big performance by him today, that when the Seahawks traded two first-round picks to the Jets for Jamal Adams, a deal, and then paid Adams like a super-duper star, a deal that almost immediately backfired, it just felt like it set the organization back. And now you fast-forward a couple of years – the fact that they were able to offload Russell Wilson right before he fell off a cliff, get back the draft picks uh, that are going to be premium draft picks, and now Geno has stepped up. The entire organization has reset itself and no longer is in a hole. They Not only are they dug out of the hole, 
they've now marched up the mountain here. So you got to be feeling really good about Seattle, who I think their defense, Greg, and I'm going to watch this game, but I I don't think the defense is at a championship level. But certainly (laughs) anything that involves this Seahawks team going to the playoffs is a huge success, and they are knocking on the door. Yeah, and after two straight losses, I think any win is a good win for them. I I do look at that picture and don't think it's – Got to be easy for them to get to the playoffs if their defense is playing like this. Tariq Woolen, though, and the young players that they have playing this well, he had another interception in this game. Does give you a a lot of hope for the future. And it was tough. This wasn't the same Rams team we've seen, not just on offense, but on defense. It was a revenge game for Bobby Wagner, who had an interception and two sacks. He was going everywhere. Him and Jalen Ramsey were jawing at DK Metcalf and jawing with each other on the sideline, firing each other up. They played with a ton of energy today, and it felt like that this was a heartbreaking loss. Even though the the Rams, you know, this is a dead season, they really seemed to want this one and were playing lights out for most of it defensively and still wasn't. Well, they also, a week ago against the Chiefs, they, they shut them down in yep. the red zone and forced field goals. So it's like it's not you know, a complete fighting. aberration. They're, They're fighting. fighting. All right, let's head to Soldier Field where the Bears got their young quarterback back, and they were fighting against the Packers. Two minutes to go in the game. Rodgers under center, single back offense. Motion by Watson to the left side. Give to Christian Watson, Watson. around the left end. There he goes. 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. He leaps into the end zone for the dagger. Touchdown. Christian Watson, the rookie, delivers the dagger. His second rushing touchdown of the season. Speed. 46 yards. Speed kills Again. Um, okay. Larry McCarron puts a button on it uh, with Lane, Wayne Larrabee, WRNW. Um, the Christian Watson development of the past six weeks has been remarkable. He went from a guy that we talked about throughout the summers. Oh, man, he needs to step up and fill the void. And he drops the first play from scrimmage, a 75-yard touchdown, and disappears and it. Now he's turned into everything they could have hoped for and more. Every single week he's making multiple impact plays and finding the end zone, and he did it again twice in a 28-19 win for the Packers over the Bears. Uh, a game, Greggy, you and I locked this up. What do we now? I think we, what did we say? If we lock this one up, we are what? You said we are the, the lock daddies. Lock zaddies. Lock zaddies. <laughs> I mean, you guys escaped by the, you know, the hair, skin of your teeth. Oh, yeah. Fathers. Called. You would be the lock daddies, and then Dan and Mark are the lock zaddies, is what you said on, on Thursday's show. Oh, because we were the lock bros, and yeah. you wanted to dress it up and become zaddies. Yeah, I like that better. Okay. Bros is like from well, now the lock daddies is, a, is an insult, because we're lower than the zaddies. Well, but that was assumed. Dan and I have like a nine and one record as Lock Zaddies. I mean, together. what we are is a father to a comeback victory here. So yes, I don't, this, I don't care. this game, and I, I know Mark, you were watching it closely, uh, was setting up very poorly for the Lock Daddies because uh, the Bears came out and Justin Fields coming back, and a lot of people said, me, one of them, why are you playing this guy? He's on. You got the bye next week. He's got a bad shoulder. You're just playing for draft positioning anyway. He's your future. You got to be careful. Well, he felt good. He practiced all week. He didn't have an injury designation. And then he goes right through like a knife through butter on the Green Bay defense for a 60-yard touchdown run. And you blink, and it's a double-digit deficit, 16-3. Bears are up late in the first half. uh, But there it is, Christian Watson 
from Aaron Rodgers for a touchdown to kind of change the the tone of the game going into the half, getting it to 16-10. And then the Packers kind of just take control at that point um, and uh, win the game. It's interesting that you heard the end around there, the second touchdown from Watson. I'm thinking, man, he's got to go down before he goes into the end zone because that was setting up uh, a situation where <clears> – <throat> Uh, you give Justin Fields the ball back with three timeouts and potentially a seven-point lead if they don't hit the two-point conversion. And, Greg, Mm. you know what I'm thinking? I've been hurt in the lock competition this year with some stunning losses. I'm thinking Green Bay goes for two, misses the two, then Fields goes down the field, gets the touchdown, and they go for two, and we somehow lose the game. But instead, Aaron Rodgers calmly completes the two-point conversion, Mm. ends the game 28-19, and, uh, you know, I just think uh, the Packers are, despite their record, they're a team that still could be seen as dangerous. They have too many losses now, I think, to be a player in the playoffs, but they could be a berserker. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in context. Look at what the Jets did to the Bears a week ago and their defense, and I think the Packers, if anything, if there's a place for them to have a monster game on offense, and I wouldn't say that happened. Aaron Rodgers threw for 182. They run for 175. They're balanced. I like them when they do that. But in context, mm. it's not a big win, and they don't have a lot of big wins. So I think they're going to f- kind of float around and be a team that ultimately teases us for another three or four weeks and winds up with seven or eight wins. Well, the, the just finding Watson that he's this big of a game breaker is that's huge for them. Going such forward. a huge that's true deal, and this will allow Rodgers to start at least a, a few more games. It, in theory, if they ever go to Jordan Love, they're going to wait till they're officially out of contention, and this kicks the can on that. I don't think the Bears have to feel too bad. Their draft pick stays good, and Justin Fields goes 20 for 25 for 254. I know he threw the interceptions late. You, you don't want that in the big spot, but before that, by all accounts, like it was one of his best days as a passer. Yeah, he, he looked good. In fact, well, here's the thing. He looked very good uh, throwing the ball and, like I said, running on that, especially obviously on the 55-yarder. Um, and he was fortunate and played smart. He didn't take any big shots. Um, so you just hope he gets through the season without having any setbacks with that shoulder. But, yeah, the, the, the Bears know what they need to do to improve, and the Packers, I just think they're going to – I think what we saw in this game, especially the way it was, falling behind the way they did, 16-13, their ability to come fight back, they're not going to – mail it in on their head coach. I think 16-3. And I'm going to read a a little text exchange here. Dan was worried. He said, our lock is terrible. And I said, yeah, oof, yeah. This is at 16-3. Behind the scenes. Oof, oof, yeah. Oof, yeah. You know, maybe not best to lock up a team having lost seven of eight. I wasn't feeling great then. But the very next text at 16-3, but I bet they still win. You said it. And the faith. And you know what? That's what happens with the lock fathers. The lock fathers. (laughs) A little classier. That's nice. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of like that lock I'm father. the lock father. <laughs> well, I'd suggest you two continue to operate. Why are you, why are you breaking balls of the lock father? You know, I'll you, you and want. your zaddies can go uh, <laughs> I mean, I, do what you need to. You, you the, were the telling father me. father is paying his taxes. He's mowing the lawn and Sounds he's exciting. getting things done. <laughs> go live on the edge, Greg. Like, I, by the way, you didn't say a single thing about the fact that uh, you told me not to lock the bills. They had that game in control from minute one lock. through the end. Good luck. Can I read a quote? <laughs> It's a great lock. It's a great lock. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Can I read a quote from Jair Alexander just quickly? Because uh, I mean, you're going to. So I'm yes, going you can. To. Right. He, of course. Uh, he gave up a deep ball to Equinemius St. Brown at some point, and then he, he made up for Good it with, with the late interceptions. Yeah. And he said, "Man, he is scrub." 
I can't believe I let him catch it on me like that. But hats off to him because he did make a good catch. Man, that's that's Mr. Universe's son there, Equinemius St. Brown. Now I messed it up. You almost had that's him. That's Amon Ra's brother. I mean, give the man some respect calling him a scrub. You don't you don't hear that too much. Come on. You don't disrespect another man that way. That's all I got. Thank God. <laughs> the Lock Fathers. All right. We've taken a break. Let's take a break. A permanent one. Be right back. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. Let's now head to Atlanta where the Falcons, you know, they're on the periphery of the NFC South race, but they had to take care of business against the Steelers on Sunday. Mm, Foreboding. Subtext. Atlanta from there too. The Steeler Nation is responding with decibels. Shotgun snap. Mariota from his end zone. Throws that pass. And it's intercepted. Going to the five-yard line and getting out of bounds is Micah Fitzpatrick. And that seals the deal in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the Steeler Nation is celebrating. He's so smart. Oh, he just, so he just went out of bounds. They're going to retain possession. Come on, Atlanta. That's just heads-up football. Oh, you can't, Falcons fans. You can't. I know it's expensive going to a game. I'm selling those tickets with you. But... And you make money selling the tickets, and all of a sudden, maybe you we, buy we, your Christmas we presents We work across for that. from a stadium where that happens quite a bit. But that's a lot of Steelers fans. A lot of black and yellow in the stands there at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
for a 1916 win for the Steelers over the Falcons. And uh, Gravedigger, you had your eyes on this one for us. I imagine, I understand Arthur Smith, he knows in certain situations deep in their own end, they need points to, to tie or steal a win. I got to ask my quarterback to make some plays. And like last week, it was an interception late in the game that sealed the Falcons' fate. Yep. <laughs> Wait, is that it, what using Gravedigger before you speak? Yeah, that's what we do. But you did that earlier in the show. So does that now cancel it out? And now I you think it's a showing speak? of respect <laughs> to himself. Okay, okay. He's uh, respecting himself. Just making sure I, I, I didn't know what the rules the were. I didn't know the if show. it was like okay. Yeah, I don't want to just like start talking. Respect. And y'all of you say, whoa, 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 whoa. So Well, it is fair. It is fair. And I promise you from experience, you can't win on this show. So whatever <laughs> you do, you're going to get pinged apart by Greg and Dan. So enjoy it. What's happening? What's going on huh? over there? Oh, I don't know. It's late. I feel like we're doing this for two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, Father, this, you did predict this on the Friday Fun oh. Show. You said uh, You'd be insufferable. What, that because of uh, lack of sustenance, you would be... In a tough way, late Sunday evening, and you're, you're right. Well, I think the whole company is suffering on that front. Anyway, <laughs> another yes, Falcons Justin. game, another game-losing interception slash turnover by Marcus Mariota in the final moments. Yeah, I mean, it was a horrible throw. It was into, like, triple coverage as he was taking a hit. You saw that many times in Nashville, I'm sure. I did see I mean, Mariota... was over at that point, though, right? Basically. How much time is left in the clock? Uh, I think there was, like, a minute left. Come on, Greg. 40 seconds. 42 seconds. seconds no left. timeouts. Okay, it's not It was a throw. little different than some over. of the Mariota scenarios. They only needed a field goal. So, Fair. I mean, you, you complete a couple passes and maybe you have a chance. But this game, it was... It didn't feel as close as it was. Like, when... The Falcons get the ball back with whatever 40 seconds left and a chance to kick a field goal. It was like, oh, wow, they actually can salvage something and maybe go tie this game because the Steelers, I mean, they were winning 19-6, to I think, in the third quarter, and it just felt over. And the Steelers' offense kind of stopped moving the ball, and the Falcons finally put some drives together. They didn't convert a third down in the first half, the Falcons' offense, which it's really hard to score points in those situations. Um, but at some point, you know, the, the Falcons are the only team – in the league to not have 250 net passing yards in a game this season. That's per our research team. Got to fix that. And uh, it seems like Desmond Ritter time might be around well, the corner. You know, this is the first post-game presser from Arthur Smith where he said, we will evaluate, to that exact question about Desmond Ritter, we will evaluate everything. Every job is open. He's, He's been so it's like it's over. They're going over the bye week. Right. It's Ritter time. Right. And I think that makes sense because you're, you know, whether you're in this race or not for the playoff, you're not going to win a playoff game with Marcus Mariota. You're not going to get there with Marcus Mariota. I believe I predicted that exactly that they would get to the bye and then move to Ritter. It was by you, one of the more crystal ball, crystal ball-y scenarios on on the history of the show, Dan. You did a great job with that. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. The the sarcasm is noted. No, I mean you you did any, predict that. Any anything else? What about Kenny Pickett? How did he look? Is he continuing to yeah. show some signs here for Pittsburgh? Pickett looks good. Four and four now as the starter. He was fitting some balls into some tight windows there. George Pickens was strangely absent from most of this game, but. Pickett looked good. He had a connection going with Pat Firemuth. Their biggest play of the season was a long completion, a catch and run by Pat Firemuth. That, and you know he was converting third downs to Firemuth early in the game. Also, Najee Harris had maybe his best game of the season. It was his first time this year averaging over five yards a carry, and he had a nasty stiff arm on one run in this game that just eye-opening play. 
he looked a lot better. The Steelers team, I don't know. Mike they Tomlin, put- never been under 500. I feel like they're trending towards at least 500. They're, they're dangerous. They're a berserker. They've won three of four. The only one that they lost to that was a close loss to the Bengals where they put up 30 points, which to me looks more impressive mm. as a Kenny performance. Kenny was good in that game, too. By the week, they, they're frisky. The whole 500 thing, it's a thing. It, they, they have a chance here. If they had just... You know, reverse one of those heartbreaking losses they had early in the season. You know, they'd be in the mix, but they are not really. One, in the one mix. thing, like Connor Hayward, like had a touchdown in this. This is where his father played in Atlanta, grow yeah. when we were young, and that was. They, Thank they, you for bringing that up. I ha- I actually want to set that up, Mark, because we had um, Cameron Hayward also in this game. Uh, the brothers Connor had his first touchdown ki- uh, catch uh, of his career. Connor uh, anchored that defense, only allowed a single touchdown. And uh, Ironhead Hayward uh, is buried in Atlanta. And uh, the the two sons uh, before the game uh, visited his graves. Pretty crazy story. And then both had big days. Let's uh, hear from Cameron. This morning, me and him went to my dad's grave. And, you know, we got to share a moment there. Um, And so I was pretty emotional when, uh, you know, he got the the touchdown. I don't like to be Mr. Soppy, but like that, that like really hit me. Luckily, there wasn't a camera on me because I was a mess. Then <laughs> he's wearing his dad's jersey with the Falcons, one of the more memorable players of the 90s, especially during the holiday season. That dad stuff uh, hits hits hard sometimes, uh, but that's a really nice, uh, nice story there, uh, which takes us to our final game before Sunday Night Football. Let's head to the Ravens' nest. So this will be a 63-yard try for Brandon McManus. McManus for the win. Kick on the way, and it is down the middle, and no good! The kick is short. Time has expired. The haze in the barn, and the Ravens defeat the Broncos 10-9. Well, how about that? Jerry Sandusky calling a field goal that's short does the hay in the barn thing and the Ravens escape with a 10-9 win over the moribund Denver Broncos who once again no show on offense Mark Sessler uh, why do the Ravens just barely escape with a win with just 10 points a lot of that goes back to what happened with the quarterback today fill us in Mr. Sessler yeah they lost Lamar Jackson early to a sort of lower leg scenario there it, I think knee I saw Knee-ish. somewhere. It's, yeah. it, the good news is because when I saw it, and Greg and I are both are watching, you're just thinking, are we about to lose Lamar Jackson in the middle of a heated playoff derby for the rest of the season? The It came back a little more optimistic. He's going to miss some time, but we you know undetermined. But it sounds Ian like... Ian says knee sprain. Ian Rappaport. Knee sprain. That, so, that could yeah, be a lot of things, though. That could. And, 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 you know, we'll just have to see. But I do think the one thing about the Ravens, um, probably what... I thought, in a way, tested their medal a year ago, but also grew Tyler Huntley, their backup, and he kind of fits in this offense in a Lamarish way, in his own little way, that he's had experience. He's had starting experience. A lot of the guys on this team are used to him, and, you know, they did not look good. There's no doubt about it. They've not looked good with Lamar Jackson on offense for a while either. It wasn't like you, Lamar's out of the lineup and all, it's all, all new problems were developing. They've been a terrible team in the red zone. Tyler Huntley, though, I will say this. This was a largely faceless game, and it's, you, you, you know that's going to happen when the Broncos are involved. But the Ravens did not look a whole lot better. When it came down to it, with two minutes, two minutes left, the Ravens were down 9-3. to three. 
I thought Huntley did a couple things to kind of take over this game. There was a big fourth and two with a minute six left where Huntley executed a perfect fake handoff to Devin DuVernay and ran for three to convert. First and 10 then with 40 seconds. He hit Kenyon Drake on a really wonderful throw on the move Hmm. that went down to the Denver two. They call a timeout. And then from first and two on the Denver two, obviously, Huntley ran it in. They go up 10-9 with a nice 28 seconds left. Russell Wilson then had a chance. This was maybe one of Russell Wilson's, I don't, I don't even call it better games. He just wasn't a, a flat-out disaster. Which is crazy because they scored nine points. Well, it's just that he made a couple throws, and he ran the ball. He had a couple big scrambles. Like, in fact, on this final drive, he had a big 17-yard scramble. It, it, there is no bar. I mean, he's just sort of, he is what he is, and they are what they are. Um, then they had a weird play where he ran out of bounds, uh, where I, I I don't know what he was seeing on the field or if there were no options open. That's what set up. If they executed a better play there, the Brandon McManus field goal would not have been from 63. Uh, there was very little time left. It just was sort of a microcosm of everything we've seen from Denver's offense. And you put McManus in that situation and he barely missed. There's another kick where I'm like, again, every week it's like, oh, I think that might be good. And then it was like, nope, no, nope, it's not. Football, man. They've, they have lost so many games. Sport. Four, four of them. <laughs> <laughs> They've lost four games this year that they really shouldn't have on some level with big leads. And this is one maybe they shouldn't have won. So it was like one coming oh, back. They earned in those the, losses, though. Those were I, lo- I fluky it, end of game losses. They were a little fluky. Those were some all collapses, Greggy. In those ways, uh, certainly last week. So this is one just sort of on the whether they deserve to win or not, you know, side of the ledger. It's like one, uh, one for that. They probably in opposition de- of this entire team. They, yeah. they didn't probably deserve to win this game, but they, they, got, um, they got out of here. With they a win. should lose yeah. actual points because of the style points they refuse to generate. I will say this about Baltimore, because now if you're in the thick of it. You've got, you're at Pittsburgh next week. Then you're at Cleveland. Then you got those Falcons, maybe with Desmond Ritter. Then you have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So it's four, Division games, it really matters when Lamar comes back. I, it, I mean, right. they, they the, the whole like easy schedule thing is over now if Lamar's missing time, and Pittsburgh is no longer an easy game, and, and Cleveland will see. that th- Stealing this win, and it looked like uh, they were going to lose this game in addition to losing Lamar, would have really, not only would it have dropped them out of a first-place tie with the Bengals, then you start wondering, like, if he misses time, are they going to fall out of the playoffs entirely? This was a state, the win stabilizes things, and now you just cross your fingers that you know, an MCL sprain, you see guys miss six weeks with that. Uh, you could also see a guy come back and play next week. So, right, we shall see. Oh my god, I forgot about oh. this, Greg. It is the Christmas season. It's the holidays, and what are you doing? You're taking money out of people's wallets, sabotaging families, saboteur. I'm glad. Saboteur. I'm glad I forgot about this because I. It you know who won't forget? I was no, the people that the boys and girls advice. who right. get up on Christmas morning and yeah. head to the tree, and guess what? Daddy spent Santa's money. Right. What's under the tree? Pine needles and literally nothing else. You know what? They won't Thanks, forget Greg. like that they Dad, are getting Dad, every happened? advent calendar under the sun already purchased with the five and two record we got here. Daddy. I mean, that's a winning percentage that would go down as one of the great teams of all time. Five Greg, and two. Greg, you're They're often fine. on. You're often on people uh, for not taking accountability, for taking responsibility. Where is your accountability slash responsibility in this situation? I take full responsibility for Lamar Jackson's injury uh, today. And, no, you're uh, skirting, no, I'm, you're I'm skirting the topic I, I, and the I, issue. I take the responsibility for the loss, but we're 
we're like a long-term operation here, the Rainmaker. Five and two on the season. We have to so think about the big picture. Let me try this. Weren't they losing like 6-3 or 6-0? It was a first quarter injury. Got hurt. It was a first quarter injury. Greg, help me out this way because yeah. I know you're a great dad. Yeah. Imagine Walker comes up to you Christmas morning and says, Daddy, there are no presents under the tree. Was I bad this year? Mm-hmm. Now think about some of these people that got behind you. It's traumatic. I, I would game. I would say to Walker, find me another investment opportunity that oh hits at seventy one percent. I mean, if that's not the greatest uh, Christmas gift He's that you write can a book give about you, <laughs> that you can give to someone a seventy one percent winning percentage. Uh, My father said the weirdest thing to me you can ever imagine when I was seven. All right, uh, we have fun. Let's move to Sunday Night Football. Ryan will play fake, and under pressure, he screens it right to the tight end. And it's fumbled by the tight end. It's picked up by Hooker. Hooker again. Five. Touchdown. Can you believe that? Oh, have a night, Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker, the former first-round pick of the Colts, discarded, collected by the Cowboys, and now... A playmaker on a very good defense. And my goodness, Mark Sessler, we said, Greg Rosenthal, take a blow. Sure. Head home. He's like, but I want to talk more ball. We said, no, go home. I so, mean, he actually so he, he actually made the request to leave early tonight just to be I, ideal, in fact. Yes, you do. Anyway, but. the Cowboys defense, after a competitive start to this game, a first half. That was very close. It devolved into just uh, the theater of the surreal. Uh, 33 unanswered points by the Cowboys in the fourth quarter. Final score, 54-19. America's team, air quotes, over the Colts. And, Mark, you're a little Jim uh, Saturday. Oh, that team, they're trying their hardest and they're playing better. Well... For two quarters, they did today. His name is Jeff. Start there. Uh, Jeff Saturday. But the look on his face as this game ticked off into its final seconds said it all because this is when suddenly this... Um, I said Jim Saturday, didn't I? Yes. I'm sure that there is a... Listen, this fourth quarter did something to everyone that watched it. It's, I think that's fair. I think it's something like a what the Beatles were doing in the 60s to make their records a little different. That's how it feels like right now. It's like when the lowest version of the Colts offense meets the highest version of this Cowboys team, you get an absolute um, tornado in the fourth quarter. 54 to 19, insane. I mean, this Cowboys team, I... It, we, I have been ripping on Dallas for the extent of this podcast because I thought that they were a lot more style than substance. Everyone felt that way about this Jerry Jones operation for a long time. Right now, what they're doing is an argument as the most dominant team around outside of Philadelphia. They put 49 on the Bears, 40 on the Vikings, 54 tonight. Over the last five games, they're averaging 180 yards rushing. They're dangerously balanced. I thought that, you know, Dak Prescott did not have his best first half. He had a costly interception, but none of it matters in the end. They're so explosive, and their defense is generating points, turnovers. Matt Ryan had three picks. 
the Colts lead. A lot of this is the Colts, too. They lead the league in fumbles, fumbles lost. Matt Ryan completely melted down and not look healthy at the end of the game. It couldn't have ended quick enough for Indianapolis, which would also go for their season. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, and by the way, the Cowboys, on top of all the defensive stuff we're talking about, are averaging 39.8 points in their last five games. Um, it, it turned into the, you know, farce in the fourth quarter because, like you're saying, Matt Ryan, who can't throw anymore, he just he doesn't have the arm strength, uh, being asked to throw every down against a elite Dallas defense. And by the way, they lost an important player to their defense potentially for the season here. Anthony Brown was carted off to the locker room. We were watching the game with Maurice Jones-Drew, who knows a thing or two about the game and just the way he was being carted and how the ankle was being, the leg was being held. It looked like potentially a broken ankle or a serious injury, and that's going to impact Dallas against better competition. But when you take this version, Dallas – and, and against uh, the Colts, the way the way it turned, it, it didn't feel like you were watching the NFL anymore. Um, and that's a credit to obviously the Cowboys and what they've built up. And uh, you know, like you're saying, we have been we've been hard on the NFC East at times on this podcast. And I think some of that comes from a a place of love, Mark. Uh, we've talked about it many times on the show how those '80s teams. Uh, Washington, the Giants, uh, Cowboys, the Eagles, John Madden and Pat Summerall calling those games. It just reminds you of a simpler, more innocent time. Uh, and for so much, so many of the years of this show, it's been the division's been kind of a drag, and they still get all the primetime games. And now, a little like peek behind the curtain, when you see the power rankings on Tuesday morning. You're going to see the Philadelphia Eagles at one and the Dallas Cowboys at two. I think these are the two best teams in football, and the fact that Dallas doesn't claim the number one spot tells you everything you need to know about how good Philly's been this year. It's just really interesting, this division. Well, they're similar to each other in the sense that I Dallas has become this. I don't think that they started the season this way, but the emergence of Tony Pollard and their willingness, finally, to play both of them, Zeke Elliott and Pollard, their ground game, can absolutely devastate teams. Prescott only threw for 170 yards tonight, and you didn't need to do it all through the air. And this used to be a boomer bust operation on the ground. If Zeke wasn't healthy or having a good year, then you became air only. And that's just not the case. And then their defense, just like the way, the pressure that they put Matt Ryan under, and they've been doing this week after week, it's, it, th- there are only a couple defenses like this in the league. And I also think that Mike McCarthy, who was widely viewed as a bit of a liability in general, has been coaching... Absolutely beautifully because he's there's such a weapons rich offense. They really need Odell Beckham right now. Nobody. Do we really need to do that? I mean, I I almost wouldn't mess with the what you've got going on here in terms of the chemistry. Um, this is something we talked about while we were watching the game, joked about, um, a little bit. But I was fired up and prepared when this felt like a game that was competitive, and it was late in the third quarter when Isaiah Rogers appears to intercept a Dak Prescott pass, uh, it was setting up a scenario where the Colts had a chance to take the lead. They were down, I believe, two points at the time. Like, this game got yeah. away quickly. Very quickly. And, um, and this is there's no sense piling on Jeff Saturday or even his brother Jim Saturday um, for this, but I don't know how you don't challenge that, uh, I don't know if it gets overturned, but there was certainly no evidence that that ball 
hit the ground. I know you needed clear evidence that it was a pick because it was ruled an incomplete pass on the, on the field, but this is the second straight week where I thought Saturday made a pretty obvious mistake in terms of game management. Uh, but we don't need to say much more about the Colts or really this game in general. This was two teams going in opposite directions, and now the only thing really left to see is if the Cowboys can catch the Eagles in the NFC East, and if they could do that, they might even be able to grab the number one seed. Um, as we look at the, I mean, the, let me look at this NFL playoff picture. This is pretty interesting, this NFC bracket. It's at the top. Of course, we talked about what happened, Mark, with the, uh, with the Niners um, and uh, their quarterback. But Eagles uh, 11 and 1, Vikings 10 and 2. The Cowboys at 9 and 3, sitting in the five seed. Back but, and flip, just like the Bills went from five to one today. Right, and and if you're the Cowboys, this couldn't be lining up any better because you've got three of the four teams remaining from the AFC South. You've got the Texans next week. Have a feeling I know who will win that one. Then the Jaguars. Then you play the Eagles on Christmas Eve, Saturday at four twenty-five Eastern. Then the Titans. We'll see where the Titans are at that point. And Washington. So this is a this is a team right now looking at that schedule. They could run the table. I mean. Things can change, but you beat the Eagles in that one, and the Eagles drop another one somewhere else. Everything changes for the Cowboys. I almost don't mind if they don't get the number one seed because I think for them to excise some of the ghosts about can't win in January, this or that, like maybe you're just one of these teams that wants that extra game and you just go like, I don't. You know who they would get, by the way? This is where your logic might collapse in on itself. They would get the worst uh, division winner which would be the NFC South team, which you've already guaranteed will win at least one playoff game. So you have already been on record predicting that the Bucks or another team will defeat the number five seed, which is currently the Cowboys. So your logic has just collapsed in on itself and you're floating into the ether. It, it wouldn't be the first time on this show or even within this episode where that's happened to me. Um, all right, there we go. Uh, by the way, um, of all the shows for me to miss, you know, I was under the weather last week and yeah. I sat at the Friday Fun Show. I was very thrilled to, to see that I missed the annual segment that I hate more than any other. <laughs> uh, you did escape, I think, a personal trap that would have haunted you over the weekend. Of course, <laughs> Greg um, was stuck tweeting out about Mary Ingalls Wilder going blind in the, I think, the... So just for the audience that maybe missed the Friday Fun Show, yeah, you... I created tweets that other people had to tweet out that I made the content for. And so Claybon was um, victimized. Graver had to send a tweet out to Derek Henry talking about how manly he was and what a, a brutal runner he was. And then, uh, you know, Greg had the little house in the prairie one. For, I can tell you what yours was, what you got out of. What, what was it? Because remember, had to tweet last this. time we did this, uh, it led to me writing over 700 DMs to our listeners. Yeah, because you said, hey, my DMs. You know, it's one of the people like, hey, my DMs yeah. are open. If you want to like talk to me about life, it's like, all right, yeah. whatever. So this time it said, um, and I didn't think this was mean-spirited, by the way. This just make you look good to a lot right. of people. But it and said, by the way, I did like interfacing with our listeners during the no pandemic. No doubt. I don't doubt was, that yeah. on any level. Um, I'm, I'm spending December focusing on parts of my life I feel gratitude for. I am very thankful for my friends and family as well as my love of music, 90s especially. <laughs> then paragraph break. Um, what's something you're thankful for? Be specific. Let's celebrate life together. <laughs> and, and you would have gotten, you know, I think the problem there is a lot of people would have thought, that was a really nice thing by Dan to, to reach out to people with that. And they'd it's get actually a lot of sincere not as responses. bad. It's, it's for whatever reason, it's it just uh, like your inability to hear like people chewing. 
me, it's like sending super weird uh, tweets that appear to reveal something about myself that's not really revealed. No, it would not be. Them. I I just was gonna go. For, I was going for Dan level discomfort, and I think yeah, no, no, you really hit it. You hit, you, you would have hit the nail on the head. But then uh, yeah. you did, and I really was feeling uh, pretty bad on uh, Friday. I feel much better now. Yeah, uh, you did then privately text me to give me a heads up uh, that this was something that happened, and I think maybe you threw out the possibility that I. Maybe you sent out there'd a tweet. be buy-in on your and part. Yeah. My my response. You well, you go, and you ghosted me entirely on that. And I thought, how do we, we were were we going to communicate about anything over the rest of the weekend? It sealed the fact that you just avoided me the entire weekend because you're like, I'm not responding to this. It was like sometimes, and this is a lesson to everyone as we say goodbye. Sometimes the best response to a text is just like, oh, we're gonna sit on that no, one and then forget. And that's exactly what I did. I was not surprised that you handled that correctly. <laughs> I just yes, want to say Justin. the dumb tweet that Mark made me send that sounds like nothing I've ever tweeted in my life got 299 likes and 14 retweets, which is like, that's a pretty good tweet for me. I don't it's know. Good, um, good uh, volume there. I, I, <laughs> people liked it. I don't know. It they did like really it. stupid, well, but Did Derrick Henry respond in any nope, fat? He did. Well, that's, that's on him. And if you uh, want to have Mark tweet for you going forward, that's certainly... I'm sure he would be open to it. Help out my numbers a bit there. I like a. I mean, I guess the people have spoken what they're what they're looking you for. You know, like them. a Mark <laughs> Sessler X Justin Graver collab. I think that's what people are looking for <laughs> right now in life. All right, that's enough. What a ridiculous game. Uh, that was, by the way, uh, Brad Sham, the Sham God of KRLD. If I didn't say that on the call, and um, that is not we were all talking about. Was that the biggest blowout of the year? Uh, the Cowboys, what they just did to the Colts. Uh, no, because the Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings by 37 points a couple weeks ago. This is who they are now. Just to think, how, what would the Eagles have to do to stay ahead of the Cowboys? No, no, we're getting a Cowboys Super Bowl. Week it is now. the second biggest blowout of the year, tied with the Bills beating the Steelers 38-3 to in Week 5. So the Cowboys own the two biggest blowouts of the season. Yeah, but 54 sounds a lot different than 38-3. Yeah. yeah. See that shot of Jim Irsay in the box? In the he, shadows. He's got to not be thrilled. This is sort of what he was going for initially. Jeff Saturday wishes he was Jim Saturday right now. Yes, he does. He's like, oh, is, did I do I still have my lease available in West Hartford? Jim's home eating. You know, you know corn you on the cob. against this guy. Put your money down, people. <laughs> Love to see it. All right. We'll be back on, uh, as a group, we'll be back on Tuesday. Tomorrow, Monday, we'll uh, put the final touches on Week 13 with Greg handling Monday night football duties with a guest to be named later. Thank you to everybody for listening. Until Monday night football, please heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 